What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today we are talking with musician, singer, and songwriter Amy Lee of Evanescence. Now, many of you know Evanescence for their powerful songs such as My Immortal, Going Under, and of course my favorite, Bring Me to Life. And Evanescence just released a new studio album called The Bitter Truth. Rolling Stone gave the album a great review, calling it a take-no-prisoners battle for redemption. And Spin Magazine agrees, saying Evanescence is stronger and louder than ever on the album. And Evanescence just announced that they will be touring with Hailstorm this fall, so be sure to check out those awesome shows if you can. Now, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about Amy's music in Evanescence is how she has written about and explored darkness. She's tackled difficult themes such as death, addiction, and depression but she always seems to have one foot in the light. There is a striving, a hope for, as Rolling Stone puts it, redemption. And many of us feel that in order to have light in our lives, to feel happy, fulfilled, and connected, we need to crush the darkness. But sometimes the world doesn't feel good to us, and we need to be able to experience darker emotions like fear, anger, and sadness to accurately reflect our authentic reality. If we ignore our darkness, we risk avoiding and suppressing our feelings. And in that case, rather than coping with our feelings in a more direct way, we would actually become more anxious, more depressed, and more likely to turn to unhealthy substances as we struggle with how we feel. And we wind up feeling disconnected from our true and authentic selves because we tried to avoid or suppress our darkness. At the same time, just as we don't want to fear darkness, we also want to be open to embracing the light. Even if things aren't going how we want in our lives, it is critical that we allow ourselves to be in touch with the light. The happiness, the connection to others, the feelings of accomplishment that we may feel as we pursue the life we want. This gives us hope, something to strive for, a reason to cope with the darkness. And we need that dynamic relation between light and dark in our lives to keep us moving forward. And in our conversation, Amy talks about the importance of exploring darkness, particularly in her music. And one of the issues we talk about is the concept of grief. Amy talks about her sense of spirituality and how it guides her in her exploration of darkness and using her music to find meaning. Now, in the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program, our goal is to empower you to find your purpose and work hard to achieve that purpose so that you can lead a fulfilling and authentic life. And one of the most important things that we encourage people to do is to not be afraid of darker emotions or difficult times. As we pursue our purpose, these times will come and these feelings will emerge. If we truly are pushing ourselves to build an actualized and authentic life, there have to be tough times. But our goal is to learn from them as we pursue our purpose rather than see them as signs of defeat. And so Amy is such a great person to have on the Hardcore Humanism podcast because she has developed her own way of seeing and processing darkness that we may be able to apply in our own purpose-driven life. So let's listen to what Amy has to say. So Amy, welcome to the Hardcore Humanism podcast. Thank you for having me. So one of the things that you take on in this album which is, I think, something that I've seen throughout your whole career, at least what I've taken away, is how to explore darkness. And you said something, I don't know if it was in an interview or in the press materials, about without darkness, there is no light. And I think that working with people who struggle with mental health issues, that is is so right on. And I want to just start by talking about your thoughts on that is how you see the balance of darkness and light. 
Well, it's just true. Um, I've, I've been through some stuff in my life. I, I uh, lost my sister when I was six. Um, and then in a completely different world, you know, so many years later in a totally different situation, I lost my brother just in 2018. It's, it's, it's like when the worst possible thing that you could ever fear comes true. I've seen the moments where that can happen. And I'm not alone in that. To me, going through that, surviving that, you know, being able to continue on and find a way to make your life make sense afterward, that that's really what I'm talking about. It's not, you know, that I like spooky things and darkness because it's fun to play with danger. It's that the worst thing, the the, the time that I feel the most afraid or alone or whatever in my life is when it's like, it didn't happen. It's like the world just went on living like nothing ever went wrong. I remember sometimes feeling really weird on like beautiful sunny days when I was a kid because I felt like it should always be raining when I was grieving my sister. It's kind of the same thing to be able to talk about it, to be able to admit it, to be able to face it and say, okay, it hurts this much. And I'm thinking about this stuff. To be able to spill my guts is the thing that makes it better and especially to be able to share it with other people that's why music started for me in the first place processing like the biggest wounds and the biggest challenges that I've been through in my life and in my heart being able to make that into music that I love and then in turn the even greater gift is to be able to see other people love that music and have it speak to them on a level a level where they feel that it's doing something good for them to not feel alone in that moment too is such a blessing something so healthy and so good. I think it's important to face the darkness because it's real. It's really there. And if we can't face it, then we're just living a lie and letting that stuff bubble under the surface. And I guess the question though that comes up that is very, very difficult for people to balance is it's almost paradoxical in a way. You need to know that you can get as dark as possible in order to feel like, oh, okay, I, I went there. I validated yeah. myself or I'm with someone who gets it. And it, to the extent that you feel comfortable talking about it, how do you figure out like how far to go with the darkness? Uh, I don't know. For me, it feels kind of like a purge. It feels like being able to just get something out of your system and face it to not be afraid of it anymore. Things feel scarier when they're locked up inside, you know, like the unspeakable. If you really can just say, you know, this is what my nightmare was about. Like, <laughs> it was a massacre. Everybody I love just died in my dream, and I can't stop thinking about it. Then you talk about it, it's just not as scary anymore to be able to go through it with somebody and have them hear it, and for them not to, you know, have their face melt off by hearing the thing that's scaring you, you know, just to like be like, hey, okay, that's human and that's okay. And like, to some degree, like I can understand, you know, what you've been through just to kind of get it off your chest. I think um, for me is really healthy. I, I think that the music, it, it could be so many things. I used to journal all the time. I still write things down, but not as much as I used to. As a kid, I was constantly just writing things in my journals to get them out of my head. And, you know, as scary as I thought they might be sometimes, once you just see it written down, it's usually not something to be afraid of, at least not in the same way, just because it exists in this universe. You know, it's not like from some underworld. It's something that you can read and process and go, okay, 
I can deal with this. This isn't real or this is something that I can overcome just by moving past it. Now, one of the things that you talked about, you know, and I'm sorry for your losses, are are things to a certain extent with especially with something like siblings is it's hard to move past loss on yeah. that magnitude. And right now, I think you know, everybody, you know, has, I mean, people have experienced loss, obviously at different points in their life, but there's just a lot of people experiencing a lot of different losses. Yeah. What, what do you do when it's not something that you can actually move past? I don't want to move past it. I will always be their sister. So on a, on a level, I feel like the thing about it is it's not that I'm ever going to get over it. It's not that I ever want to completely get over it because I'm never going to let them go. They're always going to be with me, really, literally. And part of that is feeling the pain of, of losing them because I still love them so much. But the other part of it is laughing at memories and remembering like the fun that we have too. I don't want to just remember the people that I've lost by their death. I want to remember their life. I want to remember our time. One of the hard things in the aftermath of of big losses I've had in my life is being afraid that I I won't remember. Like, oh no, like I'm going to lose all my memories if I don't like quickly like try to ask, you know, my sisters or my dad or whatever, remember that one time? Like what happened again? And just trying to track things down because suddenly it's like the scavenger hunt for all of our time together that I don't want to lose. I don't want to forget. I forget stuff so much. So much has happened in my life, you know? And I think over time, they do start to kind of come back more. It's something about, is this true? I guess I should be asking you. (laughs) I've kind of heard this before, but like in the moment, you know, like when it's all fresh, you kind of feel like you can't remember anything. And then things sort of start to open up again after the grief subsides a little bit. Well, I think that one of the things that's very tough about grief is that it's rarely the same for everyone because, you know, people obviously are different themselves, but then the relationships are different. And what you're describing is certainly something that happens for people because to a certain extent, and, and I, I don't like to use the word trauma for everything that, that's negative that happens to someone, but but deaths can have a, a traumatic effect where you feel as though you're locked in a moment that you can't get out of, and and that's only the loss. That's that's what you can only, you know, everything is is your memories, your your mood, your behavior is all organized around that trauma. Right. And while that's going on, it can really be something where, like, why can't I, I can't remember anything. You know, like there's nothing good that's coming to my head. How come? Because kind of it's so big and just like overshadows everything at first. But that's, to me, that's, that's what's worth fighting for is getting past that moment so that you can get back to like still having all the, the good stuff exist in your life, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something that I definitely encourage people to do is to first and foremost, when you have had a loss or you're grieving anything, but, but particularly a death, do not judge in any way how you go about it. Right. If you can't remember what's going on in any kind of positive way, that's what your mind and your body needs. If you, if you need to be in bed, that's what your mind and your body needs. And to a certain degree, kind of similar to what we were saying before, is that you almost have to, you almost have to work with yourself 
a little bit to say, Hey, like almost like you become your own best friend. Like, Hey, what, what do you need? Like, do you, do you need me to be here? Do you need me to not be here? Do you need mm-hmm. me to take you out somewhere? Do you need me to help you bring you soup? Like, and, and that's so important because as, as bizarre as this sounds, people don't give themselves time to heal, even from deaths. It's very totally. strange to me. Well, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Like, I think it can be, everybody is different. Everybody does grieve differently. It's hard because you don't want it to have happened. So I know there's different roads that you can take. <laughs> and I, I've definitely taken a few steps down different roads. I found for myself in my life that what's healthy for me is talking about it through music. And even if it's not talking about it through music, just making music, um, doing that thing that feels like I can get my soul's expression out to the outside, it just makes it feel better. It's like letting letting something that's really full like have a leak so it can like start to spill out and, and give you that relief. Yeah. And if, if you don't mind me asking, cause you use the term soul and it, you know, just, I, I don't know, obviously, cause we've never talked before, but certainly in your music, there's a lot of references to a soul. And I'm just kind of curious if you feel comfortable talking about it, is there a spiritual component that helps you with all of this? Because not, not everyone's spirituality is the same, but it sounds like there's some piece of this in terms of your spiritual beliefs that help you through this maybe a little bit more for sure for sure i i believe there's another side i do believe life goes on after we die i have to i and i have you know it's it'd probably be too weird to sit here and like spell out like things it's pretty personal but there are things in my life that feel like something from beyond in a moment especially in the moments where it's that you're in tune to to life after death because you're missing somebody who you've lost. I think that being able to like zoom way out, like perspective is something that really shifts in those big moments in your life, good and bad, not just the grieving, but also like giving birth, having Jack, it blew my mind. It, it really opened my mind. The, the big things like that in your life where you really look at like, whoa, like life itself, like what are we? <laughs> um, makes you zoom out for me anyway, like on a big level to like the universe and time. And like our perception is maybe just one little tiny piece of something so much bigger. I do believe that. Um, that does help me for sure. I don't think endings are as simple as just the ending. I think it's probably too crazy and quantum physics, whatever, to try to explain and break down or even understand. I don't know the answers, but there's definitely, there's definitely something more. You know, I, I personally, it, I don't think any of it's crazy. I don't know if that's reassuring, but. <laughs> that, that <laughs> Thank you. Be, but, <laughs> is that an official diagnosis? <laughs> I was going to say, I, was like, I saw that, I saw that your husband is a therapist. So I'm hoping that he tells you the same thing, <laughs> but, but there is something that's so powerful about you know, when, when people talk, even in something like, you know, recovery programs of, of a higher power of something bigger than you, whatever, whatever that is, however people see that somehow being able to see yourself as part of something bigger does for some reason, provide people comfort. Yeah, for sure. Of course, it's hard to face our mortality. It's just, it's just really hard to accept. Because we put so much into not only our own lives, but you know, 
our children, our families, you know, the people that we love, husbands, wives. It just means so much to us to imagine that like the end of their life is really like the end. Like they they don't exist anymore. That can't be. I it's it's hard for me because this the struggle that I have had in the times when I've questioned my faith have been like, is it only do I only believe this because I need it to be true so bad? That's something that is hard one. I have to battle that voice in my head a little bit. <laughs> well, and, and you know, the thing that's so tough also, I mean, you know, it depends on whatever someone's belief is, but let's let's just for a moment talk in terms of either good or evil or the God or the devil or what it is. But sometimes <laughs> sometimes that what's very difficult about that is when you feel something happening and you're thinking to yourself, so is this is this the God in me? Is this the is this like a temptation of some kind? Like you, you don't necessarily know. Like it's not like you can look and be like, okay, if you do this, it's coming from a good place, right? Like so, if you're if you're thinking to yourself, like you know, I don't want to die. You know, is that is that good? Is that like this you know positive life force? Is that arrogance? And it's very yeah. difficult then to sort of sit there and be like, okay, what did I just do? <laughs> it's deep, man. It's hard. It's hard to know. I, yeah, but it's you know, I think that. The, the exact thing that this conversation we're having, like, this is my lyric writing. This is what I'm doing. Like when we're making music, it's just like going through it, asking those questions, just thinking about that stuff, you know? And I, I have come to a place of just gratitude. I, there have been major struggles and losses and all of that in my life, but there have also been so many moments of beauty and love. And I am grateful I am able to kind of be at a place of peace now for the most part, because I see all that being able to appreciate like the incredible life that I've already lived. That helps. <laughs> it really does. I, I, I'm so grateful for the love that I've been given for the family that I've had the amazing blessing to have. Um, and the music we've been able to make travel around the world. We've been able to do really incredible stuff. I, I, Honestly, I, I, more than any of that, like I am absolutely just grateful for the love, grateful for the love. And I think that when I think about what's beyond and life after death and what it all means and all that, it always comes back to love. That is what it is. The bigger thing, the thing that I can't quite define, the thing that makes a soul a soul is love. Um, otherwise, why do we have that? Why do, why do we love? Why don't we just eat? and reproduce like there has to be something more because we love so you know we're talking about love and i want to use that to segue to something that i found to be a very compelling lyric you know from broken pieces shine survival hurts that lyric just hit me and i feel like in the context of this discussion you know we're talking about love we're talking about gratitude but still sometimes surviving and whether it's surviving because someone else died or just surviving, like living in this world does hurt physically for some people. And I'm just kind of curious, wh where were you coming from with that lyric? Well, that is straight coming out of that grief. You know, it's not, it's not the people that have passed on that are hurting anymore. It's the ones left behind. So that's what that's referring to. That song, you know, you're asking about like, how far is too far, like to, to, look at the darkness and to go there and all that. When I was writing 
some of these lyrics to that song in particular, it, there's this specific moment um, that I remember. <laughs> My brother died when we were in the middle of touring um, Synthesis. And we had this show lined up to go play the Sydney Opera House with full orchestra. It was a big deal. Sold out two nights in a row. It, it was a month after uh, losing him. and It was so hard to even imagine like ever singing again, especially not like getting up on stage. It was just hard. But part of what like pushed me forward was I know that he would want me to. I know that he wouldn't want the whole world to come to a halt and for me to be desperately sad and unable to to move forward he tried as hard as he could <laughs> he he was fighting to stay alive for a long time my brother was really sick he had severe epilepsy and it was just one of those things like i know what he would want he would want me to nail it and definitely not miss out on that experience and everything else and i went i remember i i hadn't i hadn't sung at all like i literally just it was the first show back and i i knew i needed to do it but it wasn't in my heart just kind of going through the motions of like going to the airport and getting on a plane. It was really weird and hard. And I just remember like being in the airport <laughs> and uh, everybody was like running and like busy and thinking about their stupid little things in your life that you think are maybe important when you're zoomed in and, and not where I was at, where the bottom had dropped out and nothing little mattered anymore. And I just remember like, walking slowly to my gate and everybody else was rushing and I think like brushing by me and like I'm annoying <laughs> and I also remember like tears coming down my face and instead of like wiping them away and being embarrassed and thinking about what anybody thought of me I just let them pour down my face like while I was walking through the airport kind of with a little smile like I just don't care what you think. I feel better letting the broken pieces shine, letting this reality show on my face than pretend and try to hide it from anybody because this is what's real. And all those little things, you know, that I would have been just as preoccupied by, you know, last a month ago, just don't actually really matter in the grand scheme of things. And it's weird, but it, there's power in that. I don't, I don't think it's weird again. I don't know if that provides any comfort, but the, <laughs> but the fact that it would be considered weird is, is bizarre. You know, right. like we're all, it's like, we're all sitting here, like holding our breaths long enough to like, you know, hope that no one notices that we're weird. And all we want is for someone to like, let their breath go. So, oh, okay. You know, we, we, we can all do this. And, you know, someone sitting there walking down and actually just being able to cry and just be like, yeah, I'm crying. Because we all yeah. have cried and it would be a lot easier if we could all cry without having to worry about people judging us. I mean, you just, totally. you, you just lost someone, you know, but yet we all do it. Like we all feed into this narrative of let's all be okay. Let's all like keep it together. It's yeah. for what? Like it doesn't work. Totally. And, you know, and so what you're describing here, it feeds into another concept that you've talked about publicly, which is it's an interesting concept because it's the concept of the right to use your voice. Now for, mm. for a lot of people, that's very different than what it means for you just because your voice is amplified so totally. much. Right. And so what, what was that concept? And it sounded to me like it was kind of similar a little bit to the idea of, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to express myself in public if I need to. Right. Well, again, the gravity of feeling something so heavy, you know, in your life, it, for me, like it kind of made me let go of worrying as much about 
what people thought. Like that's always been something I've, you know, that we all probably strive towards to just, you know, be yourself and don't think about what other people think of you, but it's hard to do. And it is hard to do when you have, you know, millions of people watching you too. But I think that take away some of the good takeaway of, of a perspective shift like that is going, you know what, like whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it does matter because my voice is amplified. And if there's something that I can say that might potentially lead to good, like might lead to people's empowerment and feeling like their voice is important, we have to do that. So, you know, one of the things that you're talking about right now is all getting all of these feelings. I mean, that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about, you know, validation of feelings, expressing the feelings, how it, how it may translate into action. And the song part of me from what I understand, was uh, specifically about that kind of cathartic emotional effect. And, you know, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I mean, it's my relationship with with what I do, my relationship with the music, with our fans, with just the way this whole thing works for me. And like I was talking before about, you know, music as my therapy, in a lot of ways, it part of me is one of my favorite songs, and it's not like a single or anything. But it it's like it's funny because I was writing it and singing about writing it sort of at the same time. I've done that a little bit before, but this song just sort of hits it. And you know, we talked about survival before on Broken Piece of Shine. That word appears here again because kind of what I'm saying is, well, the lyric is I will be more than my survival. It's one thing to survive, but it's another thing to live. And that's the real goal. The initial thing is just to breathe in and out, you know, after something. But then after that, it's like, how can I live? How do I really live the way that they would have wanted me to live, live up to my full potential? And the music is this beautiful place where I get to do what I do, you know? I don't know. Shine a light, maybe. No, and it's it's interesting because, and obviously, you know, when people have experienced death firsthand, it's it's understandable to be afraid of death. It's understandable for that to be traumatizing and petrifying. And you're right, though. A lot of times what happens is we we somehow, without realizing it, we focus a lot on preventing or nullifying the emotional effects of death, but then we don't focus on that life. And it gets back to that love concept. You know, it's like yep. it's very, you know, it's very loving to want to take care of yourself around fears of death. But then there's that other piece that we miss sometimes where are you, are you allowing yourself to love yourself in the context of life? It's the same thing. Like when you're angry, like when you get out of some kind of a situation or relationship where you're so mad at that person, you know, who did you so wrong that then they're still kind of controlling you in a way. If you let it make you an angry person, you know, it's about finding the way past the reaction to the thing that happened and finding a way back to yourself. And that gets back into what you were saying about your siblings. And it's like, you know, and we're talking about, you know, having kids and it's like what you want more than anything it, when, well, I, I'm speaking for myself. What I would want more than anything when I die is that I want the people who I love to, to do well, like yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I want people to miss me, you know, like that. That'd yeah. be nice, but but you want like, them just, to be happy. You don't want yeah. them to lose something about themselves that was great because of you. Yeah, and you're just yeah. kind of sitting there, like I can almost imagine, like being at that point, be like, no, 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 don't, 
Like totally. <laughs> do okay. Like do okay. Please like tell me that you're gonna be that you're gonna be okay and you're gonna be amazing. Yeah. You're gonna think of the things that we did. Cause it's like then it almost is like, at least for me, it's like, what was the point? Well, otherwise? and in that way, and in knowing that, that's your relationship still exists. You're still hearing them and knowing what they would want and having that relationship and feeling them push you forward. Yeah, well, thank thank you so much for the deep talk. This yeah, is unusual no, this for is, me. This is, no, this is fantastic. I, you know, I've, I've been following your music for a long time and I appreciate you coming on. And listen, whenever somebody like yourself, I mean, it's always good. We have our friends, we have people, but you know, people look up to you and, and you don't have to talk about this stuff in order <laughs> to do your thing. And it, yeah. it helps. So I appreciate that. Well, it helps me too. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. So there you have it, Amy Lee of Evanescence, talking about how she explores darkness in her music and in her life. I very much appreciate Amy's willingness to discuss her method of understanding, processing, and expressing darkness in her life. When we face difficult times like loss, it is critical that we not only learn how to embrace the darkness, but also have an eye on finding the light. Leading a purpose-driven life means pushing yourself in ways that may not always work out. And we have to embrace all aspects of our experience to become our authentic self. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for editing and producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear on the podcast, go to our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.